1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
0: Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And Ike, week nine of the NFL season is in the books. Still a lot of football left. And if you want to place a bet on the NFL action, BetOnline is the place to do it.
1: Yeah, I bet online. A lot of people didn't think the Pittsburgh Steelers was going to be this close against the Chicago Bears, but hey. Anytime you want to bet, make sure y'all go to bet online.
0: Steelers did not cover the spread on Monday night. But right. again, if you want to place a bet on the action, bet online is the place to do it. Head to the new and updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 5 0 to receive your bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, we're recording this the Tuesday after the Steelers win on Monday night football against the Chicago Bears. Steelers have now won four in a row. Steelers hang on to win against Chicago at home. Feels a lot better on a, after a victory, a victory Tuesday, because they played on Monday night. And I tell you what, too, like the Chris Boswell redemption game is how I'm going to remember this one. How are you this afternoon, my man?
1: I'm good, Mark and Mark. Man, you know it's Tuesday, so I got my dog Mark with me. Mark with me and Taylor is talking on a Tuesday. Chris Bosie has been nothing but clutch. We wonder what he would be like coming off the injury in that uh, Cleveland Browns game. But, the man, that's what he do, man. All he do is kick field goals right down the middle. Whether it's the beginning of the quarter, whether you want to see him do it in the clutch, man, a man should be an all-pro. So shout out to Chris Bozzi, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Glad you're healthy
0: because that was the question mark going into this game. The Wizard of Boz, Ike. The Wizard of Boz. He's earned that nickname and some redemption, too, because he missed an extra point. And down the stretch of this game, it's like, oh man, is it going to cost Pittsburgh missing an extra point? The Bears rally down ten points, regain and gain the lead. But Boswell made a fifty-four-yard field goal, a fifty-two-yard field goal, and a forty-yarder. He also recovered a, a, a fumble on a kickoff as well. That's really that's never been done in the history of football, like. And so, redemption after missing the extra point. And we're a broken record here on the show, but I'll say it again. If not for Justin Tucker across the division for the Baltimore Ravens, you'd hear a heck of a lot more about Chris Boswell. And he was a key difference maker. And again, able to get redemption on Monday Night Football after missing that extra point.
1: Yeah, Bosley been in the zone for like two years now. And like you said, if it wasn't for Tucker, man, everybody would be talking about Bosley. But Tucker is just that clutch as well. You know, he breaking records with what the field goals and what he's doing, especially against that Detroit game. So, but the same as well, man. Bozzi, I don't know if people really know, but you can just ask any kicker in the NFL, man. It's hard to kick at Hinesville, especially on that open side area. And Bozzi has been Mr. Clutch. So I'm glad that Pittsburgh still has got a clutch kicker like Boswell.
0: Yes, yes. I, I tell you what, too. This game came, speaking of special teams, like my other big takeaway, it was the fumble on the Ray-Ray McLeod punt return that got the Bears back into this game. I do think Justin Fields was worth that first-round draft pick, and I think the Bears have a good quarterback there. If not for the fumble, though, Chicago does not get back in this game. And I, I meant to check this before the podcast. I don't know if these numbers are out yet. I know that Ray-Ray McLeod is playing more on offense. He had a key play on the Steelers' final drive on that field goal to set up the 40-yarder for Boswell to take the lead 29-27. If you're going to have Ray-Ray McLeod as your return man, let him focus on special teams. Give those third wide receiver reps to James Washington now that Juju Smith-Schuster is out. That's my two cents worth. I would just like to see Ray Ray have more juice, more energy when he has to go perf- perform and fulfill his returning duties. And it, it was a play. That fumble very nearly cost Pittsburgh on Monday night. That's my two cents worth. What say you, Ike Taylor? Well,
1: the fumble calls them. Then if you want to look at, you know, the chop blocking on 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 TJ Watt, which I thought was a bad call, that caused him because that was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to look at, you know, Cassius and he's getting that taunting penalty, that was fifteen. That caused him, and the referee hip checked him. That caused him. So I don't want people to get this twisted. Yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers did come out with the W and it does it does feel well on Tuesday, you know, saying that you won the game. But it was a few situations where the ball could have went the other way. I thought Pittsburgh, in a lot of instances, they got a hometown deal when it came down to a few of them calls. So let's not forget, man, what I did like about Justin Fields, Justin Fields looked like, man, he's that franchise quarterback. Yeah. Because he stood in the pocket when he needed to, he delivered when he needed to. The game wasn't too big for him. He scrambled when he needed to. I and mean, I think Coach Nagy said he looked, he looked at uh he looked at Justin Fields. You know, towards clutch time during the game, adjusting game now look like, let's go. And that's and that's and you don't get that too often. Usually you get that from your Tom Brady's or your veteran guys. But when you got a guy who's cool and calm and collective, you know, in the heat of the moment, like a Justin feels, he always gonna be ready to go. Again, he's been doing this since the Ohio State games. you always been that cool kind of collective guy. Never worry about nothing too much. Let's move on to the next play. And you can just tell how his teammates kind of rally behind him. So, yeah, they got something good. They in the Chicago Bears, man. They got a bright future with a kid. As long as they keep building around them, man, it's going to be real nice for the Chicago
0: Bears. I want to go back to Marsh in just a second here, Ike. So, please remind me if I forget. I do want to go back to that. Sticking on Justin Fields, though, I think he's legit. I'm excited to see what the Bears can do as they build around him. There were two plays that right. really stuck out to me, Ike. And you tell me this all the time. You say, you know, there's a reason why a player is a first-round pick. One was he had a completion to Jimmy Graham where he's facing pressure. He had to step up in the pocket. He takes a shot from a defensive lineman of the Steelers, and he delivers in a very tight window to Jimmy Graham that led to a score for Chicago. That was one play. And then the touchdown pass that he had – to darnell moody in the corner of the end zone where he extends the play by utilizing his legs gets a little bit outside the pocket keeps his eyes downfield and is able to complete a pass and i go back to the reason why he's a first round pick and you see what he can do showing flashes in the last few weeks for chicago so if you're a Bears fan, I know you're probably a little bit disappointed and you might feel a little bit robbed considering all the penalties that the Bears had, but you've got to be excited about Justin Fields as your first-round draft pick out of Ohio State.
1: Yeah, 100%. Man. Justin just Justin Justin looking like a franchise quarterback, man. When I look at young guys, I always look at him, wow. Like, how can this kid wow me? And you know, Lamar Jackson, he always going wow you. Um, Joe Burrow, he's also a cool, calm and collective guy some of his passes, he's just going to wow you. Or Justin Herbert, his arm strength, he's just going to wow you. Or Patrick Mahomes, he's just going to wow you. So, you know, you just, and I didn't see it or we didn't see it at the time, Mark, but she was just hearing it from your offensive linemen and training camp. He They get to see this guy 24-7 every day. And when you got guys talking about the quarterback and when you got guys on defense talking about, hey man, this kid going to be special, it's about that time because players recognize players. But, Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't wait and hesitate to play Justin Fields, man, because this is going to move the Chicago Bears in the right direction.
0: And even if it's under a new head coach, maybe a new general manager after this season. And this game came down to penalties, Ike, because the Bears actually outgained Pittsburgh from an offensive standpoint. But you have 12 penalties for 115 yards if you're Chicago. And that Cassius Marsh, whether he bumped the ref or not, whether the ref – intentionally bumped into him. I want to give Marsh credit for this. After the game, he answered every question media members had about it. I could think of a lot of players in that situation say, no, no, no. I don't want to talk to media members. He stood up to the podium and answered every question. And I'm going to tell you what, too. Obviously, this is a Steeler show, Ike, but I can tell you this right now. It was a bogus call. It was a bogus call. And if and I understand the referees and the intent of, Behind wanting to stop the celebration for the integrity of the game. I get that. But if you're having referees determine the outcome of the game, I take not, issue with that. I take issue with that.
1: Yeah, I know it's I know it's a believer still a podcast, Mark, but we still got to tell the truth. So you ain't doing nothing but just telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna respect that. I felt the same way. I thought I thought the TJ, the TJ White call wasn't a good call, and I thought the Marsh call wasn't a good call either. That's just that's just how I think. You know, it still is. Um, hopefully they can respect how I'm thinking because deep down inside, that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? We we're gonna sit in the locker room, man, we got wait with them two. That's that's what we'll say in the locker room. Like, yeah, we might say something different on camera, but from a player to a player, we're we'll gonna be like, <laughs> hey, we got we got away with two two calls. So that's a hometown discount right there. So that's just what it is. So you ain't, you ain't gotta apologize, man. You just calling it how you see it. And I feel the same way. I
0: thought it was two bad calls in those instances. To piggyback off that, Ike, the hit, I know Alex Highsmith had at least one hit of Justin Fields, but I think Fields was hamming it up like a soccer player would. I think he was acting a little bit. But other quarterbacks in this league here, we're talking about, it, say it was Tom Brady back there instead of Justin Fields. He, he's getting the yellow flag every time.
1: Like everybody, though, all four of them referees throwing flags. And that's a Tom Brady. But you know what? I feel like he got that Joe Burrow kind of mentality and what I mean by Joe. Um, I remember uh, one of the guys, one of the guys hit Joe Burrow late and Joe Burrow looked up looking for a flag and then Joe Burrow walked up to one of the defenders and he was like, uh, you know what, when I start dropping these dimes and when I start going to these Pro Bowls, I'm going to get that call. So I I like that response from Joe Burrow and I think Justin feels the same way like, yeah, it might have been a little bit acting with that. And yeah, again, I thought that was kind of a late hit as well from, from, from Highsmith, But, you know, Philz ain't going to get that call. He, he got about four more years to get them kind of calls. But at the same time, uh, yeah, he really do. At the same time, man, that's just what it is. I think he just got that personality. I think he wants to be great, and he will be great. And he understands, you know, I got to wait in line. I got to make enough plays. I got to get to the playoff. I got to establish myself to get them kind of calls.
0: Penalties. Steelers had five penalties for 30 yards. Again, the Bears 12 for 115 Talking about more than a length of a football field was a key difference on Monday night. Najee Harris scoring now for the fifth consecutive game. Um, and his fellow rookie, where would the Steelers be without Pat Fryermuth? And producer Courtney, let's go ahead and move into the Taylor Talk segment with sure. this Friermuth touchdown catch. So his second yep. of the game. And Ike, we're talking about back-to-back weeks now where Friermuth makes a touchdown reception. We're going to show you some footage now. Courtesy of NFL Game Pass as well. And we were talking before the show, before the podcast today, Ike, about the receivers lined up at the bottom of the screen, just outside of the left tackle. And we we're talking about how they're flooding the zone. Go ahead and tell our viewers about what you mean by that. So before I start anything, shout
1: out to Miss Courtney and the Brinks TV crew for, for making us look so good with these uh with these ad-libs and everything in these videos. But yeah, you got trips left. And what trips left is is, is three receivers. Down to the bottom of your screen. What they're gonna do is they're gonna try to overflood flood the zone. And that what I mean by over flooding the zone is everybody's gonna go one way in the zone. So you're gonna have the third the third receiver, which is close to the to the to the tackle. He's gonna do a, a high post. You're gonna have the middle receiver. He's gonna do a low post. And you're gonna have the guy down at the bottom. Man, he's just gonna run like a slant. So what you want to do? You want to overload the zone. Meaning you want you want to put stress on the zone. So if we can run it. You can kind of see it now. We can barely see it with Ms. Courtney. Can you run it for me one second? So here's the overflow stop it right there so the overflow is the third receiver he's going to cross this inside linebacker the second receiver he's going to go in front of the linebacker the third receiver ben was looking but i thought ben already knew where he wanted to go mr pat i'm gonna jump over you all the time farrow moves (laughs) always catching the ball if you look down at the bottom the third receiver probably would have been wide open of course ben made the best decision he could make he likes that one-on-one matchup but um, that's flooding his own right there when you got three guys going in the same area but you do about layers high medium and low
0: that's when you flood in the zone and this was a third and eight play Ike where the Steelers need to put a touchdown on the board and at first it's like yeah you know maybe throw it away and if they get a, a field goal they're still up two scores they needed this play late in the game and it was crucial and mm-hmm. again last week we were talking about Pat Fryermuth making a combat catch as the play continues yeah. to roll
1: yeah, Pat Fairmuth. We're gonna go to a whole other view, but this is what he do, you know. And when when Kevin when Kevin Coble, when he goes and draft receivers, him and his crew and coach T, they look for guys who are gonna make combat catches. And when we talk about combat catches, you're never open in the NFL. So this is this is basketball right here. So Fairmuth don't got to give the DB credit. DB was in good position, but Fairmuth all he did was get the ball off off the rim. That's all he's been doing. And I talked to Vince earlier during the season in training camp before he retired, and I said, man, who's special offense? He didn't say Najee. He said this guy right here, number 88, Pat Fairmuth. They all saw and they all thought this guy was going to be very special. They didn't play running backs before, but they're looking at Pat Fairmuth and seeing what he's doing to the defense, seeing what he's doing to the safeties, seeing what he's doing to the nickels, seeing how he handled himself in training camp, seeing what he's doing blocking. And that's one thing Coach T was asking, like, I know he can catch. I know he can combat catch, but can he block? That was a statement by Coach T. So, obviously, for him being on the field, he's an all-around total package. But this right here, man, he's just attacking the ball. He's getting the ball off the rim. And you got to have strong hands because the DB is in good position, even though the DB do get a flag because he was holding him the whole time. But if Ben Ben likes his one-on-one matchup, this is the guy he's going to, Pat Faramuth, and he's been showing weekend – and week out on why Ben trusts him because he likes his one on one matchups. It's a combat catch. As you can see, the, Df- the DB is in good position.
0: But you know, Pat, leave me alone, fair move, always comes down with the ball. And as the play continues to run, he makes an incredible catch, Ike. I wanna point I got- this out a few stats for you. Pat Fryermuth, six foot five, the defensive back he's going up against, Kendall Vildor, five foot 11. This was a matchup the Steelers also targeted with Chase Claypool earlier in the game, Claypool, six, four, so 6'5, 258 pounds going up against Vildor five, 189 pounds. And you want to talk about Pat Fryermuth too on third down this season, 13 targets, 12 catches, seven first downs, three touchdowns. You talk about big Ben's go-to guy and gotta have it moments, especially with Juju Smith Schuster out the season ending shoulder injury. Pat Firemuth's been that guy for the Steelers this season.
1: Hey, that's Mr. For Showhands. That's his nickname, for sure. They <laughs> throw me the ball, for sure, I'm going to kiss that thing, Big Ben. And I, and I see why Big Ben in that red zone, when it's on a third down situation, he's always looking for number 88, man, because he's a
0: shorthanded guy. And I'm going to go on the flip side of the ball really quickly here, too, Ike. Kendall Vildor is a fifth-round pick in the 2020 season. The only reason he's playing opposite Johnson for the Chicago Bears is because the Bears management mismanaged their salary cap and they had to release Kyle Fuller, a player who's been a two time Pro Bowl cornerback who would normally be in that position for the Chicago Bears. I can't help but think if Fuller were there, does he make that play for Chicago? Are you even targeting Fuller on that play in Chicago, given his track record? And so the Steelers, they see the size discrepancy, they're targeting a second year unproven player. From a schematic standpoint, you just look at the height differential and the weight differential with Friermuth and Claypool going up against Vilber. I love it from a schematic standpoint of what Matt Canada and this offense did last night on Monday Night Football.
1: Yeah, it's, it's three things, and I'm trying to talk like a GM. I'm gonna put my GM hat on. It's three things you can't coach, man. You can't coach heart. You can't coach height. You can't coach speed. And I, I know Kyle Fuller. I used to train with Kyle Fuller. You know when he was coming out Virginia Tech. So. Kyle Fuller is a damn dog, and he got a nice height as a as a as a DB. But when you six five, and I extend my arms all the way up, and you six two, and you extend your you extend your arms all the way up, I'm gonna come down with the ball regardless. So <laughs> that's just what it is. So yeah. Ben actually threw a ball to a little man; he was in position. It's just Pat Fairmoor was so aggressive on going towards the ball. That's why he always come down with it. If seven wanted to throw the ball a couple of feet up in the air,
0: it would have been the same result—a touchdown. He's a bully. Playing a bully there. I, I love it. I, the Steelers wearing Color Rush uniforms. I'm not sure if you ever got the chance in your career to wear them. I know they had the Bumblebee uniforms. I was just curious on your thoughts. And I feel like the Steelers always raised their level of play on their Color Rush uniforms. They started out great on Monday Night Football and were able to hang on. But what do you remember about wearing, you know, a different uh, a different version, a different edition of the black and gold? Uh,
1: it it was cool. It It really... You know, for us, man, it's, you look good, you play good. So your socks and your cleat game had to be good. You know, we can, we can work with Like, you, I can put on throwbacks, I can put on color rush, it didn't matter. But the socks and the cleats and the, and the, and the gloves had to be on point. And it was just something about the way you wanted to carry yourself. You know what I'm saying? You look good, you play good, but you definitely had to have that swag. So for me, man, I always had my sock game on point. I always had my cleat and my shoestring game on point. And of course, I had my gloves on point. I had the little visor. Sometimes, you know, I had a darker tint. Another, but yeah, the color rush ain't bad, man. But for me, it was the
0: socks and the cleats for sure. Okay, you heard it here first. We're educating the listeners and the viewers about what it takes to get into swagging you. So I had I had to ask you about that with the color rush uniforms last night, Ike. For sure, Mark. All right, let's go to our next segment and. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon, so by the time this comes out, we might know the answer to this question. Where's OBJ going? He's a free agent. Browns have cut ties with the three-time Pro Bowl receivers. never a Pro Bowler in Cleveland. But where, where do you think he winds up, Mike?
1: Man, a lot of people either saying the, the Las Vegas Raiders or the Seattle Seahawks. And I think uh, the Seattle Seahawks, between the two, will be a perfect fit. You know, between Metcalf, uh, Ty, and, and, and Russ, he being the third – Russ, Russ will have some options coming out that garage. So say if, if OBJ goes to the Seattle Seahawks, but on the flip side, deep down in my heart, I think OBJ might want to take that pay cut and slide over there to the LA Rams. And the reason why I'm saying that, man, I think that's a perfect vibe for him. I think that city, you know, enjoys his personality. I think the city is made for his personality. You already have an off season home in the, in the city of LA, uh, And it looks like Coach Sean McVay can pretty much get any superstar and get these superstars to kind of rally towards the team. It'd be a we instead of a me kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that starts with Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald is the head honcho over there. So everybody got to fall in line on what Aaron Donald is doing. If not, man, we're going to fight. I'm going to get your butt up out of this building. So Sean McVay, you got a guy. When you got an alpha guy like Aaron Donald, it makes it kind of easier to set the tone. So OBJ understand that. Second of all, OBJ and Von Miller are real close. They're real close friends. So I think Sean McVay would know what to do with OBJ. But the only thing OBJ gonna have to do, in my mind, my personal opinion, is kind of take a pay cut, then restructure his contract after this year. But I think I think that would be a perfect fit for OBJ in LA.
0: I like it. Ike and I was gonna push back against the Raiders because the Raiders just signed Deshaun Jackson, who left the Rams. Rams have a void there now. So you get, you know, swap out one speedster for another. The whole OBJ, Baker Mayfield thing, like you know my thoughts on this. It's been like oil and water. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. In my opinion, it's a failure on all parties. I hold everyone accountable. OBJ, Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. We saw what OBJ could do a year ago. Go back and watch that Browns-Cowboys game from the 2020 season where OBJ puts up a hat trick And it's like, if he could do this every week and you see what he could do in the open field, why would you not go out of your way to make that a part of your game plan? And the Browns, for whatever reason, never were able to make it work, despite having OBJ's college teammate Jarvis Landry also on the roster. I tell you what, i I just like to see him go somewhere with adults in the building. i like to see him go somewhere where he's got a quarterback who can get him in line for what the team needs to do, because we are being robbed of what could potentially be one of the NFL's best receivers. And we really haven't seen it since he left the New York Giants. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out in Cleveland. So wherever he winds up, I hope we get to see how he can showcase his ability, the off the field stuff. Like, look, it, we can get into, you know, why his dad's tweeting out videos of why Baker Mayfield is struggling and getting his buddy, LeBron James to tweet about everything. And it's just, to me, it's like, let your athletic excellence be your brand. And I want to see that again because we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. And it's like, I just haven't seen the on-field production for him. Again, I'm not going to say that that's all on OBJ. Certainly injuries have been a part of that too for the past few seasons with him in Cleveland. But I want to see him get back to the ability that we saw when he was a young receiver for the giants. And it was like, is this guy going to be one of the transcendent receivers that we talk about? And to be able to do that, he's got to go, you know, where a play caller knows what he's doing, a quarterback who knows what he's doing, fall in line. And like, it, you, you've you told me this too, like, you know, we can all go celebrate in the end zone when we're scoring multiple touchdowns throughout the game. Wherever he winds up, that's what I would like to see. Because as football fans, we are being robbed of one of the NFL's transcendent talents. It just, it, it didn't work out in Cleveland. It just didn't.
1: Well, he gotta go with a strong. He gotta go with a strong-minded, strong personality quarterback. You know what I'm saying? The reason why it worked out well with Eli because they play high school ball together. Eli, Eli knew him inside and out. You know, so uh, OBJ is a real live rock star. I don't think people understand that. Um, OBJ can go anywhere in the world and somebody's gonna know him. Usually, that happens when you're a quarterback, not a wide receiver. But the fact OBJ has a lot of swag, he has a strong personality. He's a good-looking kid, and he's just so happened to be very talented on that field. He captured a lot of people's att- attention, you know, from, from rappers to artists. They all, when they have a rap song, they'll rap something, they'll put OBJ in that. That's his transcendent talent that he has, you know. So OBJ just a little bit different, man. If OBJ wanted to be a boxer, he'd be a professional boxer. If you see OBJ, you know, at, at for the L.A. Dodgers, you uh, you know, in training camp, he's hitting the ball over the fence. If you watch him play soccer, man, he's he's real good at soccer. The dude is just a, a superior athlete. He's just one of those rare guys go and drop on the earth and be like, look, you know what? I'm going to give you talent so you can do it all. He just so happened to be a football player, you know? So that's what, that's just what it is. And I, and I agree with you. I don't want to see this go to waste. I don't want, I don't want my Bugatti sitting in the garage. I want to drive my Bugatti, even though my Bugatti might run high on gas, I still want to drive, it. and that's and that's OB, and that's OBJ. So that's why I think LA would be a perfect fit because of the Von Miller, the Aaron Donald, Deshaun McVay, and the Matthew Stafford does know exactly what to do with him. If your personality ain't strong, if you're not a strong-minded person dealing with OBJ, it's just not gonna work. You know what I'm saying? He's a different kind of alpha. He's a different kind of talent. So that's just what it is. But OBJ, man, hopefully he'll land somewhere. Just my personal opinion, but
0: I think he should land with the L.A. Rams, though. Okay. I got two other possibilities. Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Then maybe the Saints as well with Sean Payton and company down in New Orleans. So also went to, went to to college at LSU. I'm, I'm with you though. I I know, I know Winston's out for the year with, with the Saints. I, I got you there, but um, yeah, we'll see how all the shakes out. And again, I tell you what too, I'll leave it at this holiday season's coming up too. Our guy, Dave Damaschek put this out on Twitter while all of this, OBJ shenanigans was unfolding last week. Where are the free Baker t-shirts? I want, you know, holiday season's almost here, Ike men's medium. This could be your holiday gift to you. Get me a free Baker t-shirt. I saw a lot of the guys rocking the free OBJ shirt. So, and I know that's, listen, I'm really not going to take a position to say, Oh, I'm team Baker Mayfield. Oh, I'm team OBJ. It was a failure by all parties in Cleveland. And I'll leave it at that. But free Baker t-shirt looked nice. Like men's medium for me, please.
1: Yeah, it's tough to free Baker. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is, is, you know, you got two running backs. You got the best offensive line. You got two good receivers in People Jones and Jarvis. You got three tight ends, and you got a defense who got nothing loaded with first-rounders on there. so they finally come around. So Mm -hmm. it's just Baker got to get over this, man. We need you, Hump. And what I I mean by this, we need you, Hump, is – okay, our running game isn't working, our tight ends ain't been, been able to do what they need to do, and our defense ain't playing up the park. Can you Justin Herbert, can you Patrick Mahomes us? And that's and that's how they're looking at it. And Baker been coming up short in those cases. You know what I'm saying? So that's the home Baker got to give up, too, because everybody looking at it, if you put a Patrick Mahomes, if you put a Justin Herbert, if you put a Lamar Jackson with that talent that the Cleveland Browns got, we we'll really be talking about football so here goes to our truck or trailer or our pilot or passenger what is what is what is baker so we always look at baker as a uh, a a trailer or a passenger not the pilot or not the driver so that's just is what it is i like his confidence i like his swag i like his commercials i like that he don't give a what he was a walk on he transferred i like his whole story but by the end of the day in the nfl man When you're playing that quarterback position, when you're number one pick, what are you? A truck or a trailer, a pilot or a passenger? And I think for the most part, people say he's a passenger or a trailer.
0: Yeah, I think was funny. I'm going to pull back the curtain for our listeners. You called me on Sunday, and I was watching the Browns-Bengals game. The Browns hang 41 on their AFC North opponent. And I said, you know, the Browns look pretty good today. And you go, yeah, that's, you know after the whole OBJ saga. And the first question you asked me was like, Oh, is Nick Chubb and Chubb gone for an hundred piece. And it's like, yeah, he's got more than a hundred yards in the garden. He's like Baker looks a heck of a lot better when Nick Chubb and company go off in the running game versus when he doesn't. And you have to rely on Baker Mayfield. It's funny. You, 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 I know you were coaching your youth team on Sunday, but you hadn't even watched the game and you knew. this. Right.
1: right. That's, that's just, that's just what it is, man. You know, he only threw 20, he only threw 21 times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you throw you throw 21 times, you know, just like just like with me talking for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we say, Man, you keep seven on the third pitch count. We got action. Seven threw the ball last night 30 times for 280 yards and a touchdown. No turnovers. So I'm look, I'm not trying to be psychic, but I am cousins to Miss Cleo. That's back in the day for all y'all viewers who don't know Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo was a psychic back in the day, but I'm just saying,
0: bro. I'm just saying. Like the AFC North is wide is wide open. Uh, we're gonna get into some of our other Week Nine reactions as well. Now that that's all wrapped up, okay. I want to tell our listeners and viewers this, and to the Chiefs fans specifically. You're welcome for jinxing Jordan Love in his first career start, filling in for Aaron Rodgers. I thought we were good, and destined for another decade plus of Green Bay quarterback Packers excellence. And he kind of laid an egg in his first start. It's his first career start, so it's not to say that Jordan Love is doomed for the rest of his career. But the Chiefs defense, like they actually looked competent. And I put this out on social media saying this was the best Chiefs defensive performance since when I could not tell you the last time they held the team to single digits and Chiefs able to get by Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers plays in that game, you can't tell me that that's not a different outcome. Aaron Rodgers would have put up 50 piece. <laughs> On that defense,
1: they they lucky. They they joy and love ain't giving me that wow factor. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If nobody out the training camp, if none of your teammates say he's special and he's the one, if they don't feel like you got a wow factor, then you don't have a wild wow factor. And I love Joy and Love, but man, I just didn't see that that I didn't see that. That Justin Fields' wild wow factor, you know what I'm saying? So that's 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 how I look at it. And man, I'm, and I'm saying with that defense, because honestly, they could have scored. They could have scored. Well, matter of fact, they missed three field goals for one. So the score could have been a little bit different. Uh, they wasn't getting their first downs. He missed a few. Uh, he he did show some flashes on being athletic, but not as athletic. I think he's an upgraded version. Over Jameis Winston, I don't know how much good that 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 is when it comes down to running. But other than that, man, I didn't really see a wild wow factor. And the Chiefs' defense—they played okay. You know what I'm saying? They 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 did okay. If Aaron was done, Aaron would have put up a 50 piece on them boys. Because actually, Green Bay defense played very well and yeah. gave opportunity after opportunity for Jordan Love to score some points. But he did late.
0: I couldn't get enough of the Josh Allen content because you had Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen going up against Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen, there was an interception, a sack, and a fumble recovery between the two players. And so I'll tell this to our listeners and viewers Josh Allen is better than Josh Allen. And I'll leave that for your interpretation.
1: You always call another song, bro. <laughs>
0: I, who do you have as the your best AFC team? Because the Bills did lose to the Jags, Titans had an impressive win. Who's your favorite right now in the AFC? Right now it's the Baltimore Ravens. As of now, it's the Baltimore Ravens because
1: Lamar he, Lamar is just built for the pressure. He built for giving me the damn ball. He built for we don't need two point. We don't even need a punter when it's fourth and whatever. Man, just give me the ball and he's been coming through week after week. Throughout this whole year, that's that's what he do. When you have a head coach asking the quarterback, hey, Lamar, what you want to do? Coach, let's go for it. Okay, let's go for it. That's a lot of trust, bro. That's a lot of trust. And you can see, not only does he have the trust from his, from his coaching staff, his teammates love him. And Lamar looks like one of those guys where the cafeteria lady, the janitor, they just love him. He just treats everybody right. That's 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 just, that's just who he is. So you can just see it from afar. So for me, man, that's the Baltimore Ravens right now, man. The Baltimore Ravens, because um, right now there is no particular team. Honestly, you can't go wrong with it if you say anybody in the AFC, because really nobody's really dominating yeah. right now. I'm just looking at the fact that Lamar has been Mr. Consistent, and he's been the only one since Week One who has been dominating in the AFC.
0: And I like the Titans, but I like the Titans a heck of a lot more when they have Derrick Henry in the backfield. There's some Ewing theory potential, the Patrick Ewing theory, where back in the day the Knicks played better without Patrick Ewing, their star player, who got hurt. But ultimately, I think that will hamstring the Titans because you're talking about not just one of the NFL's best running backs, maybe one of the NFL's best running backs of all time. He's going to be out for the rest of the year with that injury there. And it's like, you just look across the divisions. and I just see a bunch of five and threes in the standings right now. So I don't think the Ravens are a bad choice. I I think the bills had two of the weirdest losses this year, where we look back and we say, how the heck did the bills lose to the Jaguars in week nine? And then how did the bills lose at home to the Steelers in week one? I think those are going to be two games where we look back on and we kind of scratch our head and say, how did that happen?
1: Yeah, that's two AFC games. We just named two AFC teams. So the bills got to be careful because it's it's gonna cost you when it comes down to that playoff ladder where you stand at. It might cost you. You know what I'm saying? In Pittsburgh, we be, we can say what we want to say. They've been winning, but they've been winning ugly. It don't matter. A W is a W. They did, they did not want four in a row, so they went from one and three to five and three. So they is and that's what we talk about, man. Just hitting your stride at the right time, and that's exactly what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing, man. They they doing opposite what they did last year. And that could be scary. They're going to be one of them
0: teams who you don't want to play in the playoffs if they make it. Ike, that's a great transition as we start to wrap up today's show. Steelers are going to be on Monday Night Football again later in the season. So there was no Manning cast last night, Ike, which I've been trying to push to get you on the Manning cast. Omaha Productions, Peyton, Eli, ESPN, everyone watching this, January 3rd, Brown Steelers, you'll have another opportunity to get my guy on the Manning cast. So let's make that happen. I'm going to keep pushing for that because be foolish not to get Ike to have him tell his Pittsburgh Steelers stories about his playing career. But in week 10, Steelers are going to host the Detroit Lions. The line out on this game, Ike. Steelers favored by nine points. And later this week, we'll have a full preview podcast. Of the week ahead of the Week Ten matchup between the two teams.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be closer than that. I mean, the Lions just been finding ways to to lose the game. but the Lions, man, they've been playing their butt off. They've been in a lot of games. They just can't close it out on the, that nine points. I'm not trusting that nine points, man. I, I I trust I trust five. I go with the five piece. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing nine. Nine is too much.
0: All right. And we'll see if that line moves between now and when we record again. Ike, again, our next episode is going to be out Friday to get you ready for everything that you need to know in week 10. We might know where OBJ has landed at that point, too. So I want to encourage our listeners and viewers to keep it here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Uh, Ike, any final thoughts before we sign off here?
1: No, man, I just want to give a shout out to Miss Courtney at Brinks TV and her crew. I want to give a shout out to you. Mark, I want to give a shout out to Believe It's Still the Podcast. I want to give a shout out to to all the fans, listeners, and the viewers who are always, you know, giving us some kind of input, uh, asking us questions, uh, just tuning into us, man. Major shout out to y'all. Got to give a big shout out to BetOnline.ag for just rocking with us since day one. So that's where I'm at with it.
0: Yeah, I I am going to piggyback off of that, and I I've just really appreciated. All the interaction we 've gotten from viewers, listeners, and um I want to give a shout out to a guy named Sharif Solomon who reached out to us on Twitter. Ike he says the Believe in Steelers Show is great with energy and analysis and utilizes media segments well in its regular format. The cross cover episodes are awesome featurettes as well. Keep up the great work, so when we sure. hear that from fans like Ike, that means the world to me
1: yeah. Um, I mean, they, they listen, they viewing. So we just got to keep giving the fans. They're looking for some entertainment, some educational with a little bit of personality and some flavor. We call that we call that the gumbo pot right there.
0: <laughs> Save me a bowl of that, Ike. I'll go ahead and to- sign off. I'll sign off for the both of us here. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you so much for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll be back later this week on Friday to preview week 10 between the Lions and the Steelers. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace.